Welcome to Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Joy Willette. Awesome. God's good. Amen. He is so good. So much better than we could ever imagine. Amen. So much better than we can imagine or think. So much more. Uh, so much more available. Amen. Amen. I'm fired up this morning. <laughs> I'm fired up this morning. I got an hour of identity and that it just fired me up. It fired me up because you guys are amazing. <laughs> That's who you are. That's who God created you to be. He created you amazing. And then the second you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are pure, solid gold righteousness from the inside out. Amen? You are to your core, like the core of who you are is righteous. It's who you are. And it doesn't matter what your life looks like. It might be like, it doesn't feel true, but I still do this and that or whatever. Those are the things that we take on over the top. We might put on a jacket of I'm going to try and perform, but it doesn't matter because underneath we are solid gold, righteousness because of what Jesus did. Amen? So we, ha- we go through this process of unveiling, of revealing who we truly are, but it's not a becoming because Jesus did it already on the cross. So we have already become. Amen? Amen. God's good. <laughs> I'm fired up. Fired up. What if everything that you're going through, the amazing things, the resistance, the good, the bad, the ugly that you go through, is all because you're on a journey of becoming more and more convinced of the goodness of God? What if? <laughs> I submit to you that we are all on a journey of becoming more and more convinced of the goodness of God. And we know that there's sometimes there's trials and things that we go through. Those of us that go to the gym and work out, amen, Uriah. (laughs) We go to the gym and we work out and resistance is how we get stronger, amen. Resistance is how we build faith. It's the only way to build faith is when you have to wait for stuff to come to pass, amen. But through that resistance and through all of it, it is all so that we can be more and more convinced of the goodness of God and who he is, amen. And then in turn, who we are in him, amen. So what we want to do is we want to undo the thought of, I am lowly, and I'm unworthy, and I'm not good enough, and oh, you know, Jesus, you're amazing, and I'm a worm, okay? Because if my kids spoke to me like that and called themselves a worm and said they were unworthy and all these things, would that be pleasing to my heart? No, because that's not who they are. I'm like, no, you're awesome, you're amazing, you're great. Like all the things that I do, I want you to do even more. I want you to suppress me. Those are the words that Jesus says to us. That's the words of Father God. Um, He loves us so, so much. He doesn't want us to think lowly of ourselves. Amen? So um, we're going to talk a little bit about worthiness in a minute. But I just want to read a scripture to you just because it's been on my heart. The Lord, I just, I just have this like flutter in my belly, in my spirit. Um, it's just like God, God and his glory. Second um, Chronicles 7, 1 through 3. The, the heading over the top um, says the Shekinah glory. Woo! 
Right. Now, when Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the house. The priests could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. All the sons of Israel, seeing the fire come down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, saying, truly, he is good. Truly, his loving kindness is everlasting. That is the only revelation you're going to come to when the glory of the Lord hits you. It's just like he is so good. He truly is good. And his loving kindness is everlasting. It's forever. Like that's, uh, yeah, he's so good. He's so good. That's, that's the revelation. He's good. He, he, he's so much farther beyond anything that you can imagine. You truly can surrender everything to him because he is that good. He's that good. He's that good hearted and benevolent towards you. He has nothing but good thoughts towards you. Amen. He has nothing but good plans for you, plans to prosper you, plans to bring you a future and a hope. That's his heart towards you always, always, always. Amen. Now, Romans 8, 19, again, I got fired up this morning. Pastor Daniel was uh, teaching on identity. Romans 8, 19 says, For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the revealing of the sons of God. Not for the becoming. Creation isn't waiting, saying, come on, sons of God, get your act together. (laughs) All of creation is waiting for it to be revealed the righteousness from the inside out and for the sons of God to step into it fully and to step into their place and to step into that place of authority and favor that we've been given, to walk in the power that we've been given, to realize who we are. We are his. We are his children. We are sons. We are daughters. We're royalty. We're holy. We're chosen. This is who we are. If God is for us, who can be against us? Creation's like, come on. (laughs) You've been given the keys. What are you waiting for? Be revealed. Be unveiled. It's not something you're trying to attain. You've attained it. Let it be revealed. Amen. Amen. He's so good. His glory revealed. When we understand our position, when we understand who God is and his glory comes in, there is nothing for us to do but rest in that, to rest in his presence, okay? So I'm going to talk a little bit about his glory being revealed as we rest. There is one thing that the Bible says for you to strive for, strive, work hard, labor, And what does it say? Labor, strive to enter into rest. That's the one thing you get to strive for. So if you just love striving, (laughs) strive to enter into rest, okay? Hebrews 4.11 says, labor to enter into rest. Be diligent to enter into rest in everything that you do, okay? Now, rest is not, I'm just going to sit back and just like, well, if God wants it to happen, then it'll happen. That's not what rest is. Rest is, I'm going to walk out what Holy Spirit is saying to do. I'm going to walk out in obedience, but in that obedience, in anything I'm doing, it is in rest that he already accomplished it, and I get to come along for the ride. Amen. That I don't have to make sure that I have prayed enough or that I've acted well enough or that I've worshiped this number of hours or that I fasted this many days to make sure that I can invoice God for him to do what I want him to do. Amen. We need to strive, labor to enter into rest because he already did it. He already paid the price. Healing is paid for. 
So I don't have to strive when I pray for someone for healing because Jesus already did it. There's nothing. I, I could lay a hand on Angela and I can't heal her. There's nothing I can do, right? I can't, you know, like it doesn't, it doesn't really increase my ability because it is impossible for me to heal someone. But with the spirit of God inside of me and what Jesus already paid for on the cross, I can impart healing, but it's what he did and it's not what I'm doing. Does that make sense? It's not because I know some magic formula. It's not because I know the magic words. Amen. It's not because I behaved well enough this week that God allows me to heal someone. It's him who heals people. So I get to enter into rest and just say, be healed in Jesus' name because he already did it. Amen. It's so much easier and it's so much more fun. <laughs> like, why would we do it any other way? Okay. So when I minister, it has to be from a place of rest. Rest in my position in him. Rest in his ability to perform the ministry. It's all in his ability. Amen. And the more I just embrace the fact, okay, I'm, I'm solid gold. He made me righteous. I get to be a vessel. It's him that's doing the work. The more that we just see. It's just, it's just awesome. Amen. I get to come along for the ride. Romans 4, 3 through 5 says, For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wage is not credited as a favor, but as what is due. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. So again, how do we obtain righteousness? Belief. We attain it as a free gift because of what Jesus did. We attain it, we just believe. Amen. I receive it. It's very simple, very easy. It's so much more important not what you do, but what you believe. So much more important than what you do is what do you believe? What do you believe? You can even walk down the line of like, okay, someone, someone is in sin and they're like, you know, doing this thing, whatever that they shouldn't be doing. The problem is not what they're doing. The problem is that they don't believe, okay? Let's say someone is, is ripping somebody off in business, Okay, the problem is not the action. The problem is that they don't believe God to prosper them, to, to walk in integrity. And no matter what it looks like for a season or whatever, they're going to walk in integrity and they're going to trust God and they're going to believe and then they're going to see the blessing come. Amen. So the problem is always going to be found up here. Problem is always going to be found in a belief system. So we always want to come back to that because over and over what I see is that people fall into hard times, people fall into sickness or trials or distresses, persecution and stuff like that. And the first question the enemy tries to get them to ask is, what's wrong with me? What did I do? Why is this happening to me? And he tries to get us inward focused. And if we could just grasp the idea that, no, I am righteous. My identity is solid. My identity is secure. This is not because of something that you know, whatever, that I should have behaved, whatever, we could just come into and just say, God, what do you want me to believe right now? That's the question to ask. Amen? What do you want me to believe right now? I am often tempted to strive. <laughs> often tempted to strive. I need to figure this out. I need to make sure that this happens. I need to spend a certain number of hours doing this or that. I need to fast this many days. I need to spend this many hours worshiping at my piano in order for God to X, Y, Z. 
in order for God to be with me, in order for God to heal, in order for God to deliver, in order for God to give me a word for someone. It's like we kind of keep putting ourselves in this box sometimes of just like, no, well, I didn't, I didn't pray enough for that. I didn't, well, guess what? If you're out on the street and God's calling you to heal someone, he's not waiting for you to go get in the closet for six hours first. <laughs> Amen. You just have to trust that it's him that heals. It's him that performs the work and you just get to be the vessel. Amen. Amen. So we have to labor to enter into rest. Do you see how when I think that way, that I need to do X, Y, Z to make God X, Y, Z, that this is uh, reinforcing the thought that I am not in connection with him. It reinforces the thought I am not in connection with him. And what did we learn in identity class this morning is that what is my identity? I am in Christ. I am in Christ. I am connected to him. Amen? Amen. The enemy tries to war against that. I am one with Christ. What do I need to do so that God will be appeased and so that he'll perform for me? That is the voice of religion. Okay? Uh, We talked about this last week in Growth Track. God is far away and I need to perform to make him draw near is the voice of religion. God is far away, and I need to strive in order for him to be near, in order for him to heal, in order for him to deliver, in order whatever. That's called religion. That's called making people jump through hoops, get on a a stairmaster where they'll never get to the finish line, okay? Striving does nothing. The gospel is God is near to you, that you are one with Christ. If you've received him, that you are one with Christ, Amen. God is already drawn near to you. You are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's the truth of who you are. That's the truth of where you are. That's your position as you warfare. Amen. We don't warfare down here with the enemy. It's like, oh God, please, will you come help me? Please, oh, I'm just getting beat up and the enemy's just beating me up down here. That's not how we war. Again, the problem is not what do I do What words do I say? How often do I pray down here in this realm? It's not a matter of what I do. It is what do I believe? I need to attain more the belief. No, actually, I'm seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Enemy, stop it in Jesus' name. Amen? Do you see the difference? Okay? So this whole thing is always going to be about attaining the belief of what Jesus already did and who we already are. Amen? Amen. What does it take more faith to do? There's times I'll be tempted. I'm going to tell on myself quite a bit in this message. (laughs) Um, There's times when I go to prepare a message, for example, and um, the Lord has, like, downloaded a whole message to me in, like, an hour. It's, like, as fast as I could write, you know, and it's just like, oh, this is where the Lord's going. This is sort of the prophetic word that he's saying. And I was done, and I was like... I can't be done in an hour. Like, that's too easy. <laughs> like, well, maybe I need to go and strive more. I'm going to go pray more. I'm going to go and I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that because I don't feel right until I've, like, put in the time that I usually put in before a message can go forth because I want to make sure that I'm pleasing to God. You know, I want to study to show myself approved, you know, and that kind of thing. And you kind of start going down this lane of thinking back into striving again. It's like, no, God is for us. 
Amen. And I can tell you as a mom, and I want to encourage moms out there, that with every child that you bear, you get that much more grace. It's kind of unfair. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's unfair. It's like an unfair amount of grace. He gives you super abounding, abundant grace. He'll give me a message between the dryer and the dishes. Amen. He's just that good. And he knows. He knows everything that's on my plate. And he knows all the things that I'm called to do. And he's called me to them. So why would he want me to suffer? Why does he want me to strive and stress when I can enjoy my kids? Amen. Amen. Labor to enter into rest. Strive for that. Strive to rest in his presence. Strive to rest in his goodness. Amen. Amen. What does it take more faith to do for me to sit in my closet and act like I'm striving and preparing for three more hours? Or does it take more faith for me to be like, okay, Lord, is that, am I done preparing? Yes. All right, I'm going to go hang out with my kids. What does it take more faith to do? Amen. Fasting is wonderful. It is awesome. We all should be doing it from time to time as the Lord leads. But we don't fast to convince God of anything. Because he's already convinced. He's already done everything that he needs to do. Amen? Usually what fasting does is it shifts things inside of us to deepen our ability to connect with him. But we're not trying to convince God to move. Amen? You're not going to find a formula. Trust me, I've looked. <laughs> I'm a formula person. I would love a formula. But it's not, you're not going to find a formula because it's about relationship. Amen? When you feel like you're striving, you want to run to him and unburden your heart quickly. I, I ask the Lord this question so, so often. God, what is my problem? <laughs> what is wrong with me right now? Okay, I'm feeling, you know, whatever it is, anxious. I'm feeling like a pressure, whatever. What is wrong with me right now? And he's like, this is what you're believing right now. And this is what needs to change. Amen. He's so good to do that. Unburden your heart quickly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be saying that a lot because I really feel that um, prophetically on this season that the Lord is telling people, unburden your heart quickly. Unburden your heart quickly. The only way to unburden your heart is to give things to the Lord, to be nothing hidden in front of him and just say, these are the things that I'm struggling with. These are the things that bother me. These are my thoughts. Don't be afraid. Like, he's not afraid of your doubts. Like, it's okay to go before him and just say, Lord, you know, can you change my thinking here? What's going on? And he'll unburden your heart. And it's so so quick. It's so, it's so fast. Be still and know that he's God. So maturity in the faith is quickly entering and staying in rest. That's maturity in God. Being anchored in rest in Jesus and in his finished works. You can heal the sick. You can heal the sick. You can heal the sick. You don't have to wait for the anointed man or woman of God to heal the sick. You can heal the sick. Amen? You can do it. You don't have to wait for someone more qualified than you. Because who you are is solid gold, righteousness. You already have everything that you need. Jesus already paid for it. You can heal the sick. Amen? You can do it. Don't wait for someone more qualified. There's no such thing. Jesus is the healer. And I assure you, he's very good at his job. You don't have to be good at yours. <laughs> Amen? You don't have to be good at it. All you have to do is believe. Believe. 
If you need more belief, get books of testimonies of God's healing. There's even an app now. There's an app like a testimony app where you can actually search like, okay, I'm having a problem with this thing in my body or whatever. And you can do a search and you can find testimonies on that thing. It's amazing. So awesome. Um, but yeah, find testimonies. Get around people that are, that are speaking or have seen that thing and rehearse those testimonies. Build that faith. But it's him who does it. Amen. Amen. We're not here to train up some spiritual elite to walk in power and authority and signs and wonders and miracles. We're not. We're here to show you who you already are and reveal who you already are. Amen. You don't have to think of other people as more spiritual than you, more powerful than you. They have more access to Holy Spirit than you do. No. Mm -mm. You guys are the sons and the daughters of the Most High God, and you carry the power of Jesus Christ inside of you because you are one with him. Amen. He is inside of you. When you outstretch your hand, that's Jesus' hand. Amen. Amen. We're here to reveal to you who you already are. Mark 16, 17 to 18 says, And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Amen? And that is all those who believe. All those who believe. Do you believe? Amen. And guess what? These things follow you. You don't have to chase them down. You don't have to follow signs, wonders, and miracles. They chase you. Amen? Because you have the power of Jesus Christ living on the inside of you. Resurrection power of Holy Spirit living inside of you. Amen? And that kind of power does not exist inside of you just so that you can behave well. Just so you can resist things. It's so much more than that. So much more than that. We're not going to go to heaven and sit down with Paul and be like, wow, Paul, your ministry was so amazing. And Paul's like, man, what was your life like? Oh, man, I resisted alcohol. It was amazing. I resisted like crazy. <laughs> Amen. This walk is not about the things that we resist. Amen. We're so much more powerful than that. We're so much more powerful than that. Amen? And it's through what he does. Amen? We're here to help you believe who you already are in Christ. Who you already are in Christ. Now, when it comes to healing, um, things get out of whack when people don't understand that the goal of everything is relationship and connection with God. Amen? The goal is love. The goal is relationship. The goal is not healing. Amen? Healing is a byproduct of heaven coming to earth. Healing is a byproduct. Deliverance is a byproduct of closeness with Jesus. He is the atmosphere of heaven. Atmosphere of heaven comes in, people get healed. Amen? <laughs> it's very simple, okay? Healing is not the goal. Okay, so we're not going to sit in front of someone that doesn't want to be healed and pray, 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 pray. And if they don't get healed, then we're going to blame them for their lack of faith if they didn't get healed. That is not the goal. That's things getting out of whack. You are not understanding that this is about relationship and connection to a God who loves you. Amen? Jesus is the goal. Connection is the goal. Love is the goal. 
Preparing in the glory and in his presence is the wisest thing to do. It's the wisest thing to do. Soaking in worship, soaking in his presence is the wisest thing to do. It might not feel like it. It doesn't make sense. It makes our natural mind be like, what are you doing? You're wasting your time. You're just playing some music right now. What is happening? But when you prepare in his presence and you prepare in the glory, you are being filled with power. You're being filled with him. You're being filled with belief. Your faith level is going up and you are going to be empowered. Amen? That's the best way to prepare. You are powerful. You are powerful, and you don't have to be afraid of the world. That's, that's one of the reasons that we preach grace first and foremost in the growth track classes is that, um, unfortunately, like this idea of religion, the idea of condemnation and stuff, and be careful, your number one job as a Christian is to behave right and to stay away from bad things. That kind of thought has kept people in such fear of losing their salvation that we've become this little holy huddle, stay away from the unclean masses so that we can make it to heaven. And so then what happened is that we lost our influence in business. We lost our influence in movies. We lost our influence in all these different things because we were trying to hide from it. We were afraid. And it's like, no, we are so much more powerful than that. Amen? Now, we're not going to take someone out in the world that doesn't believe in Jesus and they're our inner circle. And we're going to go to them for all our problems and stuff. You know, don't, don't, uh, what's the, now the scripture just left me. It came in and it left. <laughs> no. It's, uh, it's, uh, nope. Keep, keep guessing. We'll just go through the Bible until we find it. No, it's like it's, uh, uh, bad company corrupts good morals. Okay? So we're not going to keep people, and these are, these are our you know, best friends and our confidants and stuff like that. That's something totally different. But we can go in the world, and guess what? Now when we encounter a leper, we heal the leper. The leper doesn't infect us. That's Old Testament. Old Testament, you touch a leper, you become unclean. New Testament, you touch a leper, they become clean. Amen? So we cannot be afraid of sin. We want to go in and love the world and bring them Jesus. Amen? Amen. Romans 8, 19, for the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the revealing of the sons of God. Let's talk about his glory revealed in love and learning to love like him. Love is the goal. Love is the non-negotiable. It's non-negotiable in Christianity. Love, love, love. The most important thing. Love never fails. Amen? Before you allow someone to speak into your life as a mentor or a teacher or anything like that, check the fruit. Check the fruit. Check the fruit. Check the fruit. What is the fruit? What is the fruit that we're checking for? Let me just um, pose to you. Um, here's this person, and this person speaks in tongues of both men and angels. Amazing. Amazing levels of faith that they literally have moved mountains with their faith. They have prophecy that is so completely accurate, it's amazing. They can tell you your social security number. Okay? Uh, they know all mysteries. They understand every toe on every beast in Revelation. They tell you every, all knowledge, they have all of it. They understand every deep revelation there is to know in the Bible. And on top of that, they give all their possessions to the poor. They're so generous. It's ridiculous how generous they are. And you're looking thinking, wow, now that is a super Christian. That is amazing. This person um, 
are so, they're, they're so devoted to the Lord that they'll actually give their body to be burned. That it's like, no, I, I will let my body burn, okay? And this person is casting out demons, and they're healing, and they're performing miracles. Is that the fruit that we're looking for? No, it is not. You would look at that and think, wow, super Christian, come speak into my life. But that's not the fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Amen? That's the fruit you're looking for. Love is non-negotiable. If you look at their life and you look at their relationships and it is just a devastation of brokenness, do not follow a person should all those other things be true. Amen? You are looking for the fruit of the Spirit, and fruit of the Spirit can't be faked, not for long. <laughs> it can't, because it comes from Holy Spirit. Amen? Very, very important to understand that. Because what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13 and also in Matthew 7.22, it says that if you have not love and you have all those other things, you are nothing. You can have those other things. And Jesus says, depart from me, I never knew you. You don't even have to have relationship with Jesus to walk in all those things that seem so powerful, okay? Really important, especially in a church where we talk a lot about prophecy. We talk a lot about Holy Spirit and healing. We have to also come in with discerning of spirits and to be able to look with spiritual eyes and say, Jesus, let the fruit be revealed, amen? So that we don't get fooled and so we don't get tossed by this wind and that wind of doctrine, amen? You have to be able to see the fruit, 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 fruit. Love is non-negotiable. Someone say, love is non-negotiable. Non discipleship means learning how to love. That's what true discipleship is. We do growth track, and growth track is sort of our discipleship course, and it's a way to kind of introduce certain concepts that might be different or a different paradigm than maybe what we've grown up in and stuff like that. But true discipleship is going to be like life on life. It's going to be people doing life together, coming together in community and stuff. We very much believe in that and have high, high value for that. Um, but actual discipleship is when you learn how to love. Okay, Jesus says, go into all the world and disciple nations and teach them to follow all of my commandments. And he's talking about Jesus' commandments. What were Jesus' commandments? Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor as yourself. Amen? So if you're going to disciple people, you're going to teach them how to love. What does love look like? How do we do it? How do we operate in love? Okay? First of all, it says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Can I tell you that you cannot love your neighbor more than you love yourself? You might think that you can, but on the deep, deep, deeper, deep most level, you can only love someone else as much as you have love for yourself. <laughs> it's like I can hear the thoughts. I don't know if that's true because I have really low self-esteem and I love people, right? I don't know. I can hear the thoughts. <laughs> All right. James 1, 19 to 20 says, This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the wrath of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. The wrath of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. I need to tattoo that on my head so that I look at it in the mirror every day <laughs> because sometimes it really feels like my anger can somehow make something right. Right? 
but it just doesn't work. I've tried many, many times. Okay? We want to be quick to hear. What does that mean? Quick to understand. If you want to love someone well, be quick to listen. Be quick to listen to understand them. Amen? Ask questions to clarify, but let them feel heard, let them feel listened to. That's one picture of what it looks like to love someone well. Sometimes we're too quick to speak our opinion or to speak what we think or even those that operate in discerning of spirits and are, you know, can see different things going on that maybe that person's not aware of. We still have to stay engaged with what is it that they're saying, what is in their experience and in their knowledge of what's happening and let them feel heard, let them feel loved by us listening. Quick to listen, quick to hear, quick to understand. Amen? Amen. Anger does not achieve righteousness. Anger is a secondary emotion. It's not, it's not even like a real emotion, okay? Anger is helpful to us. It can help us to identify that something needs to stop. Someone turn to your neighbor and say, make it stop. Make it stop. That's what anger says. That's the voice of anger. Make it stop, okay? That's the tool that we have when it needs to be identified that something has crossed our boundary, that something isn't right, something needs to change. That's what anger is for. But it's not a real emotion. Usually what is behind that emotion is something a whole lot more vulnerable. And it's gonna be something that looks like hurt. It's gonna be something that looks like pain, something that looks like fear, something that looks like um, regret, shame. Oftentimes are what's actually behind anger, okay? So when someone is in anger, they're basically saying some version of make it stop. Whether it's something external to them that they want to stop or it's something internally that's happening that they're saying make it stop, okay? I'm going somewhere with this. Everyone's like, this is out of nowhere. Um, It's actually not bad in and of itself to be angry. The Bible says be angry and do not sin. Amen? Okay, so anger in itself is not bad. And sometimes we have this self-condemning thing where we think, oh, I got angry again and I'm a horrible person. No, it's okay. Anger is okay. We don't want to step into sin, but we want to be able to get really good at loving people. And in order to love other people, we have to really love ourselves and have some self-discovery of what's going on behind the anger. Okay, so I'm actually, I'm working on a children's book right now. And, um, and it has to do with um, just like emotional intelligence and stuff. It's going to be a series. And um, I was talking with my little boys because they were arguing like crazy over video games. And all I knew is that I overheard them playing video games. And it was like, oh, I hate when you do that. Oh, anger, 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 anger. And just like, oh, I'm never going to play with you again. And, I just, uh, and so I finally, I'm like, hey, what's going on? And it was just like, anger, anger, anger. Now it's pointed at me. Anger, anger, anger. Anger. And so I'm like, okay, let me tell you guys a story, okay? Inside every person lives this anger, and, and we called it Hulk, but I don't want to get sued. So now we're going to call it Angorilla. <laughs> An anger gorilla lives inside of every person, okay? And that gorilla's job is to say, make it stop, make it stop. And what's happening is that that anger gorilla is trying to protect a sad little boy or a sad little girl. Okay, and it's just like, no, you're not going to hurt me. Okay, but when we're angry and when we're upset and we're in the context of people that we love and our brother, our sister, our mom or our dad, that anger gorilla needs to get trained. (laughs) And we need to let the sad little boy or the sad little girl speak. 
If you let the anger gorilla speak, you end up losing video games. <laughs> you end up going to timeout and getting in trouble. Anger gorilla is never going to get you what you want, and it's going to hurt people around you, and it might even be hurting you. Okay? You need to let the sad little boy, the sad little girl speak, and that's the only thing that's going to make you feel better. So we walked through this process of like, okay, so make it stop is what you're feeling. What's going on behind that? What is the sad little boy saying? And finally, after a little bit of talking and cajoling and stuff, it was like, he said he's not going to play with me anymore. And I'm really afraid that that's true. I'm really afraid that he just doesn't want to play with me. And it's like, that's the real thing. That's what's really going on. So I'm like, okay, let the little boy speak and tell that to your brother. And then so he tells his brother. And then his brother responds like, I shouldn't have said that, you know, and then he lets his sad little boy talk, you know, and we, we backed anger gorilla down, okay? Can I tell you that we all have an anger gorilla? <laughs> I'm working on training my anger gorilla. How about in marriage we all have an anger gorilla that wants to rise up and say, make it stop, okay? Sometimes it's something external. Maybe it's because I'm experiencing shame when you say that. So I'm trying to say, make it stop, but I'm yelling at myself because I don't want that shame to be, I don't want like that feeling of shame. Amen? Amen. There is something called an anger iceberg. Have you ever seen an iceberg, how this, the surface, you can see so much of the iceberg, but when you look below the surface, it's like, wah right? What's below the surface? In case you missed that. <laughs> What's under the surface is so much deeper and so much bigger than what you see on the surface. So anger is the top of the glacier that you can see. What's hidden below are things like fear, insecurity, I'm afraid, I, I love you and I'm afraid you're going to leave me. Those are the things that are down beneath, okay? These are the things that we need to love ourselves enough to discover so that we can love other people well, because that's what discipleship looks like is that we're learning how to love. Amen. We spend hours and hours and hours teaching our kids math and English and it's like, can we teach them relational and emotional intelligence too? Amen. Amen. What's below the surface is going to have some kind of tie to love. Because the truth is when you get angry, when you get angry at your spouse, you get angry at someone, you are angry at them because you love them. Amen. Otherwise, you wouldn't be angry. You'd be like, okay, well, you think that of me? Whatever. Go off and do your thing. Amen. So it's going to be tied to love in some kind of way. So what you need to do is find your vulnerability. And everybody said, gulp. <laughs> find your vulnerability. Again, this is in the context of trusted relationships. Your marriage, your children, your close friends, and things like that. Okay? What feels shameful to admit what feels like, man, I am not going to be seen like a mature Christian if I admit this? Amen. Those are the things that are going to get you to the places of love that you need to go. To back that anger gorilla down, angorilla <laughs> down, and to love well. Amen. What feels scary that if someone knew that, they could really hurt you with it? Let that speak. Let the sad little girl, let the sad little boy speak. In your loving, closest relationships, give them your kryptonite. Give them your kryptonite. Give them the thing that could really, really hurt you. And that's what love looks like. Because we can take a lesson from the way Jesus loved us. Because he loves us so much that he's going to give us choice. And he takes it to the end of dying on a cross. All my needs and wants, I am dying to all of them just so that you can have the ability to choose me. 
I'm not going to force you. I'm not going to control you. I'm not going to anger gorilla you into doing what I want you to do to love me the way I want to be loved. I'm going to lay it down and I'm going to die. And that's what love looks like. Amen. Such a fun message. (laughs) You need to die. (laughs) You have to know who you are in Christ in order to do that. You have to know who you are in Christ to give someone your, your kryptonite and to allow them the ability and the freedom to hurt you like that. Amen? Unburden your heart quickly. Unburden your heart quickly with the Lord. Unburden your heart quickly with your spouse. Amen? Quickly, quickly, so that it doesn't build up and there's all this unresolved mountain of stuff. Amen? That's how we love well. The only other option is to let Angorilla talk, and no one responds well to Angorilla. Okay? Angorilla gives birth to Angorilla from the other person. Angorilla! Right? So I have a story. Again, I'm going to tell on myself. So this one's a hard one. Ah. Okay? I can't ask you guys to be vulnerable and not be vulnerable. So we went to a restaurant on our family day off, and these are like, Monday is our family day off. It's like sacred day. We make sure that like... Nothing is planned, but just like fun time with our family and spending time with the kids and stuff like that. So we went to this restaurant that the kids love, and I was so excited and stuff. And so we go to this restaurant, and um, I'm the last one in, and I walk in, and here's this hostess. And she is in high boots and short shorts, like really, really short shorts, and she's eyeing my husband. Oh, no, she didn't. (laughs) And he, like, eyeing him as he's holding our baby and our children. And I'm like, huh, this is interesting. And I did not feel good about that. I really didn't. And she's like 20 something and beautiful, gorgeous. And um, she goes to seat us. And um, she is not stopping with my presence there, her eyeing my husband. And so I'm like, okay, Angorilla. It's like, right? Okay. So we go and sit down, and we're, we're, you know, we're sitting down, and I'm kind of like watching my husband to see if he's looking. (laughs) Anyone ever done that? Okay. Watching to see if he's looking. And um, what he actually does, which is awesome, I love him, but he, he actually put his arm around me and pulled me closer to make it very clear because he picked up on it too. And, and he like gave me a kiss and stuff, and it's like, I am taken. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. But I was still angry. (laughs) Because she's wrong. That's not okay. Why is she doing that? I'm on the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I'm like, oh, I'm on every branch of like, see, on my righteous indignation. It shouldn't be like that. So then I'm like, okay, I'm trying to brush it off and just like we're having fun or whatever. And she comes over and she goes to bust the table. And she is bending over in front of my family. And you've ever heard the scripture, turn the other cheek? <laughs> it was bad. It was really bad. And it was, it, I could feel that it was intentional. And I'm like, mm, mm-hmm. okay, okay, okay. <laughs> very frustrated, very annoyed. And, you know, Daniel, he just did a good job of, kept, you know, pulling me closer and not looking. And, you know, he's very respectful like that. And uh, I very much appreciated that, but I was still really, really angry. So we get done eating. It ruined the whole experience for me. <laughs> the whole thing. And it's like, it's such a fun place. I was so bummed. And I was like talking to my husband on the way home. And I was just like, ah, oh, 
Like, that is not okay. That's like, that's not the kind of restaurant that that normally is. I've never seen anyone dressed like that before. I'm going to write a letter. I'm going <laughs> to. And so you remember my husband's story about how he wanted to go next door to the neighbor. And then like, Holy Spirit's like, no, don't go next door. He's like, okay. I wrote the letter. <laughs> Didn't even pray. I'm like, you know, they need to know. They need to know. It's just like, and I was very kind and respectful, but I'm like, okay, just so you know. This is how someone was dressed, you know, and I don't know if that's what you're trying to have at this atmosphere at your establishment, but, you know, I've never experienced that before. Just wanted to make you aware, you know, it's okay. <laughs> but I was like, Ugh! and I didn't get a response to the email. And I was boiling, and it's like two, three days later. And I'm like, they didn't respond to me. They don't care. That's the atmosphere. I'm never going back to that place again. So I finally went in the closet and started talking to the Lord. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? What is wrong with me? What's going on? Okay. So after you take away the angerilla, make it stop. Okay. I took a, a deeper look of what was going on inside of me. And the Lord started, talk started talking to my heart. And he's like, you don't love yourself. That's what's actually going on. You don't love yourself. You're looking at your body and your age and you're comparing it to her. And as that, to the degree that you don't love yourself and that you don't love what's going on here, you are not able to look at her with love. And you're not able to look at her with compassion because you're trying to compete instead. I was like, oh. <laughs> not fun, not fun. To the, to the degree that you don't love yourself, to the degree that you're not accepting yourself, you are not going to accept others in that way. Amen? You're going to be holding harsh judgments against them. Amen? And so then I took a look deeper, and I'm like, okay, Lord, like, what's going on with this girl? It's like, this girl needs Jesus. And not in a, she needs Jesus kind of way. <laughs> like, no, she needs Jesus. Like, like, her identity at this point in her life is that she, she's getting identity from attention from men. And that's a really sad place to be. And it's hard. And I've been there, you know. And it's like, it, it, it stirred up compassion in me for that. Okay? Now, my temptation was to go and try to control the restaurant. Make it a rule that people can't dress like that so I don't have to be faced with my shame. Make it a rule that people can't be around my husband. I'm going to control my husband, and we're never going to go to any place like that where there's any temptation of him finding something better than me. Amen? Okay? That is not love. That's not what Jesus does. I get to go and have a real conversation with my husband and be like, that really, really bothered me. And I just, I need to hear from you that you love me and that you're attracted to me. Like, I need to hear these things. And I, I might be afraid of the answer, you know. I needed to look at the hard things. It's like, okay, you know, I had a baby. I can keep blaming it on the baby, but <laughs> I also could get a plan together so that I, you know, I'm more accepting of where I'm at physically, you know, but these are all internal things with myself. I need to love myself well so that I can love others without judgment and without feeling like I got to control every environment because I'm afraid I'm going to lose my husband. Amen. I ultimately have to be so secure in my relationship with the Lord that even if he did leave me for someone like that, I'm going to be okay. My identity is in Jesus, you know, like he, me and him, we're going to work it out. We're going to find someone better than someone that would die. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Amen. But do you see how we have to learn to love ourselves so that we can learn to love others well, okay? So often when we're upset with someone, it's because we're confronted with ourselves. Amen. Unburden your heart quickly 
And, and what was awesome is that we got to have um, a really awesome conversation. And what actually happened was deeper intimacy because of it. And he's like, honey, like, even before we ever met, like, I wouldn't be attracted to something like that. You know, it's like that we just had this conversation and just, it was awesome. It actually is something that deepened our connection. Amen. And everything can be like that. Everything. Romans 8.28, God turns it around for good. Amen. Amen. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. Fear and love cannot exist at the same time. Okay? The second I'm in fear of that lady, I cannot love her. The second I'm in fear with my husband, I'm going to start to self-protect. I'm going to rise up anger gorilla, and I'm not going to be able to love him. The second perfect love comes in, then fear goes by the wayside. Amen? Learn from God's example about love. It's always a heart thing. It's not a law control thing. Again, I could set laws and control things around our marriage so that my husband's never around a 20-year-old ever again. (laughs) But that's not love. That doesn't increase his love connection with me. That doesn't increase his attraction. Amen? So you have to go after what is it that I really want. What I really want is connection. I want him to choose me. Amen? I want him to choose me freely because he wants to. The only way to have what you really want is to humble yourself and die like Jesus did. Make yourself completely vulnerable. Only that risk provides an opportunity for someone to see your heart and choose you out of their own will. And we're going to close with this. Um, This is Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon, if you ever get a chance to read that in the Passion Translation, it is amazing. It unlocks so much, um, just all the research that went into, like, what the different things symbolize and stuff like that. It is beautiful. Um, But if you read Song of Solomon, the bride in the beginning of the book in chapter 1 the first thing that she says when the Lord is like, I love you so much. We, we, you guys know the comparison, right? It's the bride is us, is the church, and then the bridegroom is Jesus, okay? So he's like, I love you so much. The first thing she says is, I am unworthy. I'm so in need. I'm dark and I'm sinful. Please don't stare in scorn. Like, don't even look at me. That's her first response at the beginning of the book. And then through all the different chapters and stuff, he's like, no, I love you so much, and this is how I see you, and this is how much you're pleasing to me, and you just read this like beautiful love story, right? Your your hair is like goat fur. <laughs> oh, thanks. You know, your temples are like pomegranates, and it's like you're picturing this like crazy looking giant templed like lady. But it all has like prophetic meaning and stuff like that. <laughs> Okay, but he goes on and on, like, I love you so much. Like, this is how I see you. This is what I think of you, okay? Let me tell you how I see you is one of the first things that he says in the beginning of the book. And then by the time you get to the last chapter, Song of Solomon 8, she talks about how when she was immature, she behaved a certain way. And what is the key? We're still laughing on that one. (laughs) She talked about how when she was immature, she behaved certain ways. And then the Lord um, made her a tower of redemption. He brought redemption to her life. And then she says, now that I'm mature, this is what she says in Song of Solomon 8. But now I have grown and become a bride. And my love for him has made me a tower of passion and contentment for my beloved. I am now a firm wall of protection for others guarding them from harm. This is how he sees me. I am the one who brings him bliss, finding favor in his eyes. 
This is a picture of what it looks like to go from immaturity to maturity. Maturity is when we receive how he sees us. And we know that we're so loved and we know that we bring him bliss and we just like, yes, this is how he sees me. And when we do that, it says that we then become a shelter for other people. I can actually be a shelter to that girl at that restaurant. Amen? Because I receive who I am. I receive that I, get, I bring the Lord bliss. I don't have to worry. I don't have to be insecure. He loves me so, so much. That's what it looks like to come into full maturity, is to receive his love. And then the only response that we have when we fully receive his love is to love him back with just devotion and contentment with who he is. Amen? That's what it looks like to, be, uh, to, to become mature in the Lord. Amen? And then the fruit will manifest. Yeah. So this is uh, some of the things that the Lord has on my heart for this year is, number one, unburden your heart quickly. Unburden your heart quickly. Run into his presence. Why would you wait? He loves you so much. There's no reason to wait. He doesn't put you in Holy Spirit timeout. <laughs> he really doesn't. Run to his presence. Unburden your hearts quickly um, so that we can receive more of his love. Anchor in rest anchor in his finished works. This is the year of his glory. We are going to experience and encounter his glory. He's going to start to do things quickly for people, but we have to let go of our attachments to tradition. Traditions are not sacred. There's no life. There's no light in them. And we have to begin to look at things a new way through his eyes, let go of the old, unburden our hearts quickly. Amen. So Jesus, we just thank you so much, God, for who you are. God, we thank you, Lord, that even when we uh, were in our sin and we were enemies against you, that you come to us and you say, I'm going to draw near to you because I love you so much. I love you so much. And let me tell you how I see you. I see you as gold. I see you as lovely. I see you as beautiful. I have nothing but good things for you. Lord, I pray that you would take these things into a deeper and deeper places in our heart, deeper and deeper into our core. Lord Jesus, that we would receive our identity in you, that we would walk out that identity, that we would be able to love people well, that we would have the courage, Lord, to stand against fear and to operate in love, even if that means that we have to die, even if that means that our pride has to die and that we have to give people our kryptonite and give people the things that we're too ashamed and embarrassed to admit. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would strengthen us. Teach us to love well, Lord Jesus. Lord, they will know that we are your disciples by our love. Teach us to love and anoint us to love. And we just thank you so much, God. And we just say, come in, King of glory. <laughs> we, we welcome you, King of glory. We want to see your glory. We want to experience your presence in deeper and more powerful ways. And we just thank you so much for it, Lord. We thank you so much for it, God. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen.